So page 57, you should be in Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read um, the first 14 verses of Exodus chapter 3. And then introduce Terry, and he's uh, going to speak to us, challenge us, inspire us tonight. Moses encounters God at the burning bush. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Well, a few months ago, I went to um, uh, St. Paul's Hammersmith for uh, what is a sort of annual prayer event, an information event held by IJM, International Justice Mission. And I confess, I, I knew relatively little about the organization, what they did, uh, who they were, how they went about what they did in relieving uh, those under the oppression of injustice around our world. And I was so, I was blown away, uh, moved to tears by some of the stories of what's going on in our world even now. We're going to hear more about that. This is just to sort of prepare you really, hear a little bit more about that uh, as Terry comes to speak to us. But really blown away too by the 
incredible sort of professional, if I can put it like that, really thoughtful and prayerful and incisive and strategic way in which IJM around the world look to relieve people who are caught up in all sorts of injustice, be it trafficking, slavery, uh, child imprisonment, whatever it might be. Uh, so Terry, it's such mm. a pleasure to welcome you here. Let's give Terry Thank a you. welcome as he comes to speak. Thank you. Terry will tell us a little bit more about himself and about the work of IJM. Uh, there's one or two things we'll see on the screen as well. But let's, let's pray for Terry as he speaks. Father, simply to thank you for the work of this man within IJM UK and for the whole work of that international organisation. Thank you for their courage, their obedience, their focus, their vision, their determination. And for this man, Terry, as part of all that, Lord, uh, use him today to speak to us. Lord, we don't want to shrink back from challenge. May you challenge us through him with the gentleness that comes from the conviction of your spirit. And speak to each and every one of us today. Release us, Lord. We want to make a difference. We want our lives to count. Transform us that we might transform others. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Well, good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you this evening. I want to thank uh, Tim and Joe. I think I am on. Oh, it's gone off. Sorry. Do you want to have a... That's it, and that should be... It's on. Yeah. Cool. Well, I want to thank Tim and Joe for their warm hospitality. I have the privilege of speaking in different churches across the UK, Western Europe, even Singapore. And uh, you are blessed with the leaders here, and I know that you know that, but thank you for your welcome. Um, I also want to thank um, Pippa and Ryan for helping me out this evening, and for those who hosted me for lunch, uh, for David, for Harry, Emma, and Hugh, thank you for humoring me and putting up with me. Oh, we are live. Oh, that's good. Great. So um, I have served IGM for nearly 10 years uh, as the founding CEO of IGM in the UK. Um, and I um, have the great privilege of serving uh, in IJM. Uh, we're headquartered in Washington, D.C. So we have a, what's called a President's Council. And since I'm a royalist, I don't really call it a President's Council. I call it a senior leadership team. And uh, it's a great privilege to really bring the greetings of over 800 Christian professionals um, around the world. And there are some folks here who have met some of them. Uh, the lovely Heather has, uh, about three years ago, I think it was, we went to the Philippines and Cambodia. And I'm going to share a story about that, which uh, Heather and her other party were with us. Also, Rosie, uh, Rosie Gillum served with us in Washington with the IJM Institute, um, who's sitting over there. I don't know if there's any other IJMers around, but it's just great to be part of a church that is uh, getting a glimpse of God's heart, because what we're about this evening is really following God's passions, and this is his unfamiliar passion to do what is right, to do justice. Um, I want to show a video uh, about our work. It will sum up much clearly than I would do, so we're going to go to that video for two and a half minutes, and then I'll come back. 
And you're right, we can't hear anything. We'll start once they get the sound sorted out. So whilst they're finding that out, I'm just going to carry on talking, if I might, in terms of the issue of slavery. <coughs> Excuse me. So IJM um, has 17 field offices around the world, particularly in the developing world, and will use detectives, lawyers, social workers, who will be on the ground confronting these issues. And uh, they'll be specifically looking at cases of human trafficking, for sexual exploitation, for labor trafficking. We'll deal with uh, people who are in prison, particularly in Kenya, and also child sexual assault across Central and Latin America, uh, as well as in Thailand. Um, and our newest office, which is actually this piece of the video, is in Ghana, West Africa. Um, so it's our new, it was opened in March last year, and on Lake Volta, it's the largest man-made lake in the world. It's probably the size of Sussex and Surrey put together, and the estimates are that there are 25,000 boys trafficked into the fishing industry. These are boys as young as three to five years of age who, uh, by deception, are brought from the north, uh, and they have to fish on these single canoes uh, and it's a flooded delta, so there are trees under the water, the nets get snagged, um, and these boys die, and they're brutalized. Uh, and so that's one of the prayers I'll be asking for you, to really pray into the work of IJM Ghana uh, as we change the system there, as we work with the government, the police, the prosecutors, the courts, and the social services, as well as the churches. Okay, and if the video's not going to work, that's fine. Let's go to the PowerPoint, and I'm sorry it's not working, but you can see it on YouTube, IJM's YouTube page. Um, so I want to introduce you to another member of IJM, and this is the wonderful Anu George. For those of you who attended our national prayer gathering last uh, October, she was one of our speakers. Anu represents, actually, what, what I'm seeing as the older generation across the globe, of what you represent largely here, and I'm really excited what God is doing among your generation. We're calling it almost like a Wilberforce and Elizabeth Fry generation of teenagers, 20-somethings, early 30-somethings, of people who really want to walk the talk and share the story. People who want to do evangelism, uh, mercy, and justice. And Anu reflects that, a 30-year-old lawyer who leads uh, the biggest project of anti-slavery investment that we've known in history. Um, the Google Foundation has given IJM a sum of money to help end slavery across India. And for the last Two or so years, Anu has led this rapid response team across the whole of India. And in two and a half years, her team, uh, by really the blessing and favor of God, have rescued nearly 5,000 slaves uh, across India who have been in bonded labor. And this is a particular operation that she did just over a year ago. 
And she was telling me the story, uh, one of the things that she struggles with as a female, um, uh, many of the district collectors, the magistrates, will look to her colleague who is a male and not to her. And so she is furious with the district collector who has the authority to release these slaves. And he was not going to release them. There were about 30 of them literally coming away. And, uh, and she said, do you want to be a man who is known for really absenting responsibility or do you want to be a man who's known for doing the right thing? And, uh, and he did the right thing under her persuasion. And she's looking at him in a very furious way uh, for making it so difficult. So she represents, she's a very uh, brave, humble, courageous Christian lady. And I would want her on my side if I was in trouble. And so that's Anu George. Uh, let's go to the next slide and let's read this together. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Um, so I, my own journey to Christianity um, began for me when I went into work for one of the largest commodity broking houses in the world in London, um, which is a while ago as a junior trader. Uh, I worked in the sugar broking markets and uh, I worked with uh, traders who were probably your age and a bit older, very successful, very wealthy, uh, which is all fine and good. And, and I aspired to be and do what they had. And it was two things that really troubled me as I observed their lives. One is they were very dissatisfied with what they had. And two, they were very fearful of losing their influence and their power. And that really provoked me on a spiritual quest of meaning and purpose that led me really to Jesus Christ. And that's where my own spiritual journey began uh, back there. And this verse is very formidable for me as I began to think about, well, what is my freedom? I've been uh, saved from my sins. I have an eternal promise, a destiny, and uh, knowing that God is with me, okay, I can continue to reach out and save other souls, but is life more than that? And as I looked at the book of uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19 and read about Jesus reconciling all things to himself in heaven and on earth, I realized it wasn't just about my eternal salvation, as vital as that is. It was also about how I live my life now, how I use the freedom I have in Christ now. And that's a question that I continually think about. And it's a question for you and I as we think about how are we going to use that freedom. And particularly for those who do not know their freedom. And if we go to the next slide, I'm going to share with you just some stats that some of you will be familiar with and some of you will just be aghast of. So the human slavery industry, it's not an organized industry, it's a criminal enterprise where women are uh, raped for profit, uh, people are sold into slave labor to make money off their lives. It's a $150 billion industry. There are more slaves in the world today than during the evils of the transatlantic slave trade of, of three to 400 years. 
And if Wilberforce walked into this church now, spending nearly 30 years of his career in bringing about the act of abolition of 1807 and then later on 1833, he would be aghast. And so our generation, this generation, you have a new task to end slavery today, this evil. Uh, and you can find out about the stats at the Global Slavery Index or you can go to the US State Department trafficking in persons and read about it. But the frightening thing, not only two million children are trafficked every year, is that four billion people across our planet do not know the shelter of law enforcement. What that means is that you and I can pick up the phone and dial 999 and 99% of the time we'll get a response. There are some countries where there is no number to dial. There are some countries where that's the last thing you want to do because the police will hurt you, they will harm you. And so this is the stark reality of our world. Four billion people, uh, two and a half billion people face violence every day from another human being. And that is the daily reality. I don't think that's usually our reality here. And so how can the church of Jesus Christ stand up and shine a light and bring transformation for those who are abused and in darkness? So let me take you to uh, the next slide and to northeast India. Some of you may have been to Calcutta, um, a city of nearly 16 million people. And this was a picture that we took going through um, a district called Sunagache. Sunagache is literally, uh, I'm just thinking about Parsons Green, it's literally no bigger in terms of length. It's two blocks. Uh, so it's, it's like from the end of the green to the beginning of the green and then goes back about a quarter of a mile and, it, um, and they've sort of shanty town housing. There are 10,000 girls and women who are forced into prostitution in this district of Calcutta. If you look at the young girls on the left-hand side, they're 14, 15 years of age and being sold. But the really young ones who are seven or eight years of age will be inside the establishments. This is the reality of what trafficking looks like. The lower pictures on the left are the young girls being paraded before customers. Who, and they're chicken, uh, picking their, their girl of choice. Uh, and this is their lives. Okay, let's uh, move on to, let's get into Moses, because Moses and his life has a lot to share with us as we think about God's heart. Uh, let's go to verse 7 of chapter 3 of Exodus. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And we're reminded, as Heather reminded us, in our songs of worship reminded us, that we worship a God who is not detached, who's not a deist, who sets everything in motion and is remote from it. But we worship a God who has sent his very own son, flesh and blood, who feels the pains that we have felt. And uh, Jesus Christ has come into the world to address the sufferings that we have. And we're constantly reminded through the whole book of the Bible of God's passions for justice. One of the verses that we love in IJM is Isaiah 1.17. And I want us to read that now, please. Let's read. Learn to do right. Seek justice. 
defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow.'"